The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Are you in for a show today? I know that so many people through my years as a spiritual leader have said, what in the world is meditation? I just don't understand what to do, how to do it. I'm so busy. I have so much going on. I can't imagine being a type A personality, just sitting still and doing nothing and being quiet. Help me out. Well, today we have an expert on this very topic, Dean Slider. He is an expert. He has been teaching meditation since the 70s, and he looks uh, very, very young, which is another <laughs> reason, which is another benefit of meditation. Dean, welcome to our show today, Intentional Spirit, where we teach practical applications where people can be intentional and make positive changes in their lives. Thank you for being here today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So I like to, to me, I I love stories, and I love to know how someone got from point A of a level of awareness to a level of B, point A to B, a B being becoming. Um, Did you, were you a mystic when you were, you know, young? Uh, Did you just know your calling, or have you had a journey like so many that's kind of shaped and shifted you through the years? Well, I would say both, actually. Uh, I had um, certain inklings when I was a little kid that I I understood them better in retrospect later on what they were about. Um, Actually, in one of my earlier books, I I described an experience I had when I was 12. I was cleaning out the... uh, uh, the family car, we were getting ready to go to a drive-in movie, which I think dates me. <laughs> and, uh, and, and my mind was going around in circles a lot, and I was just worrying about this, worrying about that, which even as a 12-year-old, you know, I had this sort of hyperactive mind. And the next thing I picked up in the seat of the car was a mad magazine, which you may recall always had a picture of their idiot mascot, Alfred E. Newman, yeah. on the yeah. cover. And always underneath, you remember his motto was always on there, which was, what, me worry? 
And somehow that just stopped me in my tracks. It was just that it was just the right moment. And later on, I read stories about you know uh, like Zen stories about people that this happened to. A guy would be you know rowing across a lake and hearing a, the call of a crow, and all of a sudden his mind would stop and open up. And this happened to me. What me worry? And all of a sudden I saw. It was as if from the outside I saw all this stuff that my mind had been caught up in and realized I didn't have to be caught up in it. And I let it go, and I went into what later on, much later when I did some reading, I realized this is what's called samadhi, satori. Um, it's just the, the mind subsiding into the effortless purity, simplicity of just being. And then there was a journey. I was growing up in California in the 60s. I was actually up at my first year of college was at San Francisco State in 1966-67. So I was really in the right place. That was a, a hotbed of spiritual and meditative information showing up. The first full-time Zen teacher in the, the United States was there. The first uh, Swami Bhaktivedanta started the second Hare Krishna temple in the U.S. there. Um, and uh, so it was just like a smorgasbord. I went around tasting this and that and, and found out what worked for me. For, for really kind of capturing in a more systematic way, being able to sit down every day and experience what I had experienced by accident now and then during my childhood. It sounds like you were just born and reborn to do this work. <laughs> That's what it sounds like <laughs> I, to I, me, I you know? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, I, I love doing it. Uh, I've been very, very lucky in this life that I've had a chance to work with all kinds of people. I had a, a day job for over 30 years as an English teacher at one of the top uh, private schools in the country. And these kids were super smart and super energetic, and most of them were getting ready to head off to Harvard and Yale and Dartmouth and Princeton. Um, but they were pretty stressed. They were under a lot of pressure. So I ran, in addition to teaching English, I ran meditation programs for them. And that was a, an extremely successful program. And then I would go down the road uh, about half an hour along Interstate 78 to Newark to Northern State Prison at night, which is considered the roughest prison in New Jersey, and work with uh, maximum security prisoners there. So I got a chance to work and continue to get a chance to work with all kinds of people and just find out, you know, to confirm for myself that this isn't doesn't just work for me it can work for anyone wow that's, that's so cool well i'm grateful that you've committed to doing this work and i i resonate with so much of what you're saying i think of the book marla marlo thomas wrote uh right words at the right time mm. You know, and and there are those defining moments where somebody said something or something that we saw, and we woke up. And I, I love that. What me worry? One of the things we say often. <laughs> one of the things we say often in 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 unity is that worry is no more than a negative meditation or a negative prayer. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. You know, there's a there's a great uh, quote from Shanti Deva, who was a brilliant sixth century uh, Indian Buddhist philosopher, uh, and this this quote is in my book. Um, and what he says is, 
If there's a solution to the problem, what's the point of worrying? If there's no solution to the problem, what's the point of worrying? Mm. I love that. Would <laughs> you say that one more time? That about covers it, I think. Say that one more time, would you please? Yes. If, if there's a solution to the problem, what's the point of worrying? If there's no solution to the problem, what's the point of worrying? <laughs> there that. you go. <laughs> that's that's yep. a good one. That's a really isn't, good. Isn't that good? Yeah, yeah. It just it just it just makes you suddenly see worrying does not accomplish anything. In fact, it's counterproductive. What it does is it just puts a, you know you know it it degrades your what they call in audio the signal to noise ratio. <laughs> you know the signal, right. the good stuff, the the clarity, the seeing. Okay, what's the situation, and what's the best thing to do about it? Period. Worry, it just adds a bunch of static to the picture, makes it harder to, to see and to do what needs to be done. Now, the, the, the problem is that even if you understand that, if people say, okay, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to, I'm going to, this is not good. I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to let myself worry. That's called suppression, and, and that doesn't work. Um, and, you know, I, I say suppression feeds obsession. What you do is you just push it into other places where you can't see. And, um, you know, when you try to suppress emotions, uh, they, they, you, you just push them around. You push them to other parts of your body. It turns out a lot of back pain comes from people suppressing emotions. And they literally stick it in the place where they can't see, which is behind them. Um, so it's not enough to just say, okay, I'm not going to worry. Uh, what it takes for most people is some meditative practice. Now, what I'm all about is showing people that meditative practice, fortunately, is not difficult. It's the opposite of what people usually think. They think, okay, I, I can't do it because I can't concentrate. I can't do it because I can't clear my mind. If you had to be able to concentrate and clear your mind, I wouldn't be able to do it, and I've been doing it for 40-something years. Uh, it turns out that the most effective way to meditate is to allow the mind's own nature, which is always to go in the direction of greater happiness, fulfillment, wholeness, the sense of completeness. To you know, The mind is trying to go there all the time. If, if you're... Uh, Looking at a beautiful sunset, it doesn't take any concentration. It doesn't take any effort to look at that. And then, in fact, if something more beautiful, some you know, gorgeous, I don't know, rainbow fireworks, something even more beautiful than the sunset happens in, next to it, you're going to automatically, your attention will go to that. Now, it turns out that the most beautiful, most fulfilling, most happy possible area of experience is that which is inside of us. This is why Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And why Buddha said, you know, outside is samsara, inside is nirvana. So what I call natural meditation is simply, uh, it's just a matter of turning your attention just gently within and then allowing that gravitation to take over. And then, and then it just happens. And then as a side effect, oh, by the way, you find yourself not worrying as much. You find yourself not getting angry as much. You find yourself not being fearful the way you used to be. 
those things happen organically, naturally. So people have it backwards. They think, okay, I have to get rid of my fear, get rid of my wandering mind, get rid of my worry, and then I can settle down. But it's just the opposite. You allow the settling to take place, and then the other stuff happens as as side effects. Yeah, they'd be better off just waiting to reincarnate. <laughs> it's like I like uh, I I use the teaching because um, we're all kind of we have our own. Um, not branding necessarily, even though that's kind of a uh, an effect of that. I I say, you know, go ahead and what would happen if you did the hokey pokey and you put your whole self in? Because the song doesn't say wait until you turn yourself around. Because if you wait until you turn yourself around, you may be on the other side. <laughs> you know, you're so right. Um, as long as we're in a human suit, we have things going on and experiences right. and, and, and challenges. And I, I love that you are uh, permeating, if you will, the effortlessness in the commitment towards um, meditation. And I would urge people to go to your website because you have a an Amazon bestseller, uh, naturalmeditationbook.com. So go check out that website everyone naturalmeditationbook.com uh with dean slider being being the author of that now one of the questions that people ask so often which was one of my first kind of taglines when we started dean was people go i'm so you know i'm so on the go i'm so type a i'm the first one you know wanting to board the plane i always get early check-in you know i'm all that Right. I'm gonna, you know, gas up my car at the at the at the traffic light. Um, how yeah. in the world am I gonna be still and do nothing? It feels like wasted time for me. Help us out. What what do you say to that, Dean? Right, right. No, it's a great question, and this is why, very fortunately, we are not the first people to explore these questions. Fortunately, we have traditions thousands of years old of people developing what they call, what the Buddhists call upaya. Upaya means skillful means, skillful means, tools, inner technology. There are meditative techniques, and they don't, it it doesn't take much. As as I said, it, it, it doesn't involve rigorous concentration or trying to force the mind to to become blank, but there is a little bit of technique involved, a little bit of guidance involved. What I do in the book is I provide several of what I call on-ramps. For example, paying attention to the breath, following the breath could be an on-ramp, or resting the attention in the heart center could be an on-ramp, or a wonderful Tibetan technique, what they call namkai naljor, sky meditation, where you actually lie on the ground or sit on a deck chair with your eyes wide open and just let your attention kind of melt into the open sky. And all of these on-ramps are there as a way in, because you're absolutely right. We've been running around at 100 miles an hour, taking care of a 1,000 things, and to go from a 1,000 things to nothing, to zero things, is kind of abrupt. So what we do is we go from a thousand things to one thing, to zero things. So that one thing would be a non-ramp, such as following the breath, or using a sound, a mantra, or, or a natural sound, this kind of thing. What's really important is how we use the on-ramps. 
because you'll have people you can you know you can take a meditation class here or there where they'll teach you to use a mantra or use the breath and and I've seen so many of these and I've worked with so many people who have taken these classes sometimes for years but the way they've got you trying to use the breath or the mantra or whatever is effortful try to concentrate focus on it keep your mind there and that winds up being counterproductive because you know any um, any effort that you expend to try to manufacture a non-agitated state of mind is itself a form of agitation. You know, it's like you're, you're, you're floating on the surface of the ocean and you see all these waves going up and down. You say, oh, I've got to flatten out all these waves. What am I going to do? It's so noisy. I need it to be quiet and silent and still. So you grab a bat and you start batting at the waves and that just turns up the water more. What I teach people to do, and this is purely what I learned from my own teachers, by the way. I didn't make anything up. What I teach people to do is instead of engaging with the waves, which is a hopeless task, just allow yourself to sink about three inches below the surface. And once you do that, oh, it's silent down here, no matter what's going on at the surface. Hmm. I love that. I have I have more materials that I can work with now, so I really, I really thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um what are some of the other questions that, that you get? Because I'm sure that uh, you get a lot out in the field. Um, walk oh, us sure. through another one. Mm-hmm. Well, people um, often ask, gee, can I do it if I have this or that ailment or physical disability? And again, that it's a, it's a legitimate question, but it, it, it's backwards. Um, when you settle into that deep state of rest that naturally happens in meditation and which by the way I'm sure you're aware there's been increasing amounts of laboratory research showing that that deep state of rest is physiologically real it's not just Mm -hmm. an imaginary or a psychological thing and when people settle into that it's very healing so Mm -hmm. for example I was giving a workshop uh, recently in Kansas City and I, I give workshops all, all over the country. If, if you want me to, anyone listening to this, want a workshop in your town, go to my website and invite me. I, I, I love doing this. I travel all over the place. So I was giving this workshop in Kansas City, and, uh, and at the end of the first meditation, we're opening our eyes, and a woman has this astonished look on her face. She raises her hand. She said, I have chronic tremors. I have them all the time. My tremors stopped during the meditation. So this this kind of thing uh, happens a lot. This is also you mentioned about my photo that I look pretty darn good for my age. As a matter of fact, uh, I was featured uh, earlier this summer in In Style magazine uh, with a, an article about meditation, and they put me in the beauty section. But it makes sense because it's not years per se, that make us old. It's the stress that most people pick up over the years. And, you know, I've been practicing meditation just about every day since I was 18, and I've been been around long enough now that I can say, yeah, you know, if I go to a high school reunion or something, I, I look a lot better than most of the people I see there. 
Absolutely, you can you can tell it in your in your energy field, and and mm-hmm. you can you know just see it in your by looking at your photo. And um, there's, yeah, I can't uh, believe it. My my second grandchild is on the way. Okay. How can I be having grandchildren when I'm 17? <laughs> it makes no sense right, to me. Right, right, exactly, exactly, exactly. It's like uh, two. Whenever I go in for a check up, which uh, hopefully is just very infrequent you know mm-hmm. they always get two or three people to come back because they can't get over the how low my blood pressure is you know like really you know and it's like mm-hmm, yeah and it's it's all good because i just um have a lot of quiet time in my life well you're enjoying i, the- I had i had i had by the way uh i had a checkup recently and the the nurse was asking the routine questions she said, uh, what medications are you on? I said, none. And she said, oh, gee, here's a, a male over 60 who's not on any medications. Uh, how extraordinary. I said, how often do you get those? She said, I'm pretty sure you're the first one. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. I'm not surprised by that at all. I, I'm, uh, I'm very grateful, too. I haven't had even a, a Tylenol probably in more years than I could ever count. So it, it, there are so many other benefits. So we're inviting all of you to join us back after this short break to hear more about uh, the physical benefits, the emotional, the spiritual, and all of that and how it works together for just a little bit of dedication to be mindful of a practice called uh, meditation. If you're enjoying um, this conversation, as I know you are, I certainly am, then tune in to unitycampus.org and find out other talks that we do throughout the course of the week. And also uh, visit me at templehaze.com. We'll be right back after this short break. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. state of change, a period of transition? Perhaps you simply don't know which way to turn, or you want guidance on taking that next step in your personal or professional life. You can activate the power of yes with Reverend Beverly Melander. As a new thought minister and next step counselor, she knows how to listen to where you are and help you get to where you want to be. With 20 plus years of experience, she offers spiritual counseling and affirmative prayer next step counseling for your personal or professional life, as well as resume writing and editing. To learn more about Beverly's counseling services, visit beverlymelander.net. That's Beverly, M-O-L-A-N-D-E-R.net. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. 
with an energy that will captivate you. Touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Reverend Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. I'm talking with Dean Slider today, who is a meditation expert. You can go to his website, naturalmeditationbook.com. Meditation, it's one of our fundamental values and new thought and unity in life itself. More and more, we're reading the paper, um, which is a, a prayer request, and we are seeing more and more of, of uh, students, uh, young children, learning how to meditate. We're, we're teaching it across the land and across the world and using this wonderful uh, technique as being transformative and, and changing us, uh, changing ourselves. So, Dean... Um, you know, when, when we think of meditation, often people think of, you know, well, I'm in a pretty good place and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to deepen my pretty good place to a deeper place. And yet, uh, one of the things, and that, that's obviously true. It's, it's, uh, like, uh, preventative choices of goodness. You know, we get that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like mm-hmm. prayer doesn't change our creator. Prayer changes us. We, we, we can sit with that. But I know one of the other things that you address um, is that you talk about how grief can, I mean, how meditation can really uh, support us when we're going through uh, difficult times of bereavement, of, of grief. And I know you've had a personal experience with that. Walk us, walk us through that because I know as a spiritual leader now of all these years, Often, I see people have tools, which we offer on the show, and we definitely offer in teaching, we offer tools, not rules, but it's interesting that often when people are going through a hardship or deep grief, they stop doing the very practices that right. that would really benefit them, and I'm sure that that's, that's where you're coming from. It's like more than ever, that's where you want to do more of whatever it is, right? Exactly. Well, you know, the thing is you do it every day. That's okay. the best. You every just, day. I tell people, make meditation like brushing your teeth. 
You get up in the morning and you don't say, oh, this morning I'm already happy, I'm not going to brush my teeth, or this morning I'm too sad to brush my teeth. You just brush your teeth. And then you forget about it, but through the rest of the day, you feel better, and all the people that need to stand close to you feel better. Uh, In a sense, we could say meditation is like brushing your consciousness. And your consciousness engages with you know every moment, everything that you do, every interaction, every thought, every word, every deed is emerging from your consciousness. So if your consciousness is shiny and bright and clear and settled, that's going to be reflected in every thought, word, and deed. And if it's not, then, then it's not. So, yeah, I tell people um, just build it into your routine and, and don't stop doing it when you're happy and don't stop doing it when things are rough. Now, I, you know, I've had a number of uh, times in my own life uh, when I've, I've had a, you know, the a chance or I've had the necessity to find out for myself for sure that the stuff works. The most dramatic was the, the, my first wife, Maggie, when she became ill with cancer and eventually died. And this was a, an incredibly vital, funny, larger-than-life woman. She had been uh, a fashion model. She went on to become just a, a wonderfully charismatic meditation teacher in her own right. She helped run meditation retreats all over the country. You know, hundreds of people knew her and, and loved her. And when she, and she, she was a person who always was taking care of everyone else. And when she became sick, uh, she had a number of challenges. One of the biggest challenges for her was to let other people take care of her for once. Uh, and then, of course, there were the, 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 the physical challenges. And what would happen was she would go for chemo. And, of course, you know, what do you do when you're just sitting quietly having to, to get chemo? You meditate. Now... Everyone in the at the uh, the oncology unit there became so impressed with how her sense of humor and her buoyancy and her evenness and all that how all of that was just not wilted by this experience of cancer that they had her come back and teach them all how to meditate. So that was that was a huge lesson for me right there. Um, Eventually, you know, as I saw her getting sicker and sicker, um, you know, it, her, it was her body getting sicker. But fortunately, as herself, you know, a very deep practitioner of meditation, I knew that she knew that she was not the body. The body is, you know, you mentioned before, we're wearing the human suit. The, right. the suit of the suit eventually is going to wear out. The suit eventually is going, you know, one way or another, it's going to wear out and have to be discarded. This is true in 100% of cases. Now, if you think that the suit is what you are, then that's big trouble. And and most people think that even people who have a, you know a, a philosophical or a religious belief that no I'm something else I'm the soul inside the body or so forth unless you're truly experiencing that 
you're, I, I, I don't think you're deeply convinced. I, I don't think it's, it's deep enough. And I've seen people, and I'm sure you have too, who intellectually, they, uh, you know, they have a conviction, they have maybe a religious doctrine that says, I'm not the body, but they don't really believe it in their bones because they haven't experienced it. So what's happening when you meditate, you know, we can talk about it as we did earlier in the show as just, you know, a physiological settling down and it's very healing and the mind becomes settled and all of that. That's true. Another way to talk about it is that we are settling into what we actually are, not the body, which is something that we experience not the thoughts or the feelings or the, the, the testimony of the five senses, which are all things that we experience, but the experiencer itself, the silent witness, the awareness, the pure, simple awareness, which has no color, no size, no shape, no past, no present, no future, but is the silent, spontaneous witness of all of those phenomena what we do is we experience that we are that. We settle into that. We are that all along, but we become more consciously that. So that when the body starts to slip away, well, it's just, it, 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 it's okay. We, we know we experientially that it's not us. And that's why it makes sense that when Jesus, when the Buddha, when, when um, Socrates when in modern times uh, Nisargadatta Maharaj or Sri Ramana Maharshi were all facing painful death, none of them were particularly phased. So having had the, the incredible privilege of, of watching the, the grace with which Maggie handled her own passing, uh, and having to kind of step up myself, you know, I feel like, you know, that's the final exam. She got an A. I got, I got, you know, may, maybe a B plus. Uh, but it, <laughs> you, you know, it. But that really forced me to to step up, and it and 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 it made me a better teacher because it made me uh, much more able to connect you know i've mostly had a very fortunate happy-go-lucky life and it made it really showed me that yes this stuff addresses the deepest roots of human suffering and and it it allow it it is a satisfactory answer to the deepest questions of human suffering that we can be liberated from that i love that I, I just love your approach to life. It, it's, it's so powerful. So powerful. Um, you have also uh, taken your work in a place that many people are unwilling to go, and that's with the, with the prisoners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I really admire that because I, I um, traveled all over teaching stress management uh, for many years. And a lot of people that attended these courses were there against their will. <laughs> right. So right, right, right. Uh, the point being that I uh, worked with wardens at Rikers Island. And mm. that was very interesting, you know, sitting with the 12 or 14 uh, people, all with their guns and and in a class mm. that they didn't. They, they really didn't have the buy-in that they really needed to be there. Um, right. But it, I can't imagine, you know, an, 
a more stressful. I'm sure there's many, but, you know, that's a, a pretty heavy-duty thing. But mm-hmm. I bet that you have made great strides in in working uh, in, in the prison system. How did, how did that come about, Dean? That came about um, partly because way back in the 60s, I had a couple of years as a hippie. Uh, we're just hanging around the Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco and, and hitchhiking around the country. And, and I got thrown into the slammer a couple of times myself. Uh, but then as a, you know, middle-class white kid with a good family system to fall back on, I was able to come out of that and go on and uh, you know, finish college, have a great career and family life and so forth. But I always remembered the guys that I had met in jail who and realized that they or their sons or by now probably their grandsons were still in there. And so I, I felt a pull to go back there. And back in 2005, I uh, became a volunteer chaplain at Northern State Prison in Newark, New Jersey. And it was great. I, I, I live in California now, so I can't go every week, but I do visit the East Coast several times a year, and I always uh, have at least one session with my guys there. They continue to meet every week without me. Now my my old students teach the new students, which is great. Um, it, now, very important is that everyone who is there in my class is there voluntarily. I mean, I completely agree with what you, you cannot force people to do this. There has mm-hmm. to be the buy-in from their side or it's just not going to work. Um, and I'll tell you, p- people say, as you did, oh, I so much admire you for doing this. I, in a way, that just it, it, it's an inappropriate description because I, there's nothing I would rather do. There's nothing more fulfilling for me than to sit with these guys who have come from these just, you know, some people, they, you hear the stories, the backgrounds they came from, and it's like they never had a chance. Uh, one guy that I worked with uh, was seven years old, Standing, you know, a happy-go-lucky kid standing on a street corner in downtown Newark. Uh, and as he did every day, he came to that street corner and the local drug dealer handed him a dollar so he could go to the candy store and buy candy. And as he's receiving the dollar, the drive-by shooting takes place. The, the dealer is whacked and the little seven-year-old kid gets uh-huh. blood all over him. You know, uh, and I mean, what do you what do you expect is going to happen to someone like that? And and it just you know got deeper and deeper until uh, he wound up uh, locked up for eleven years. Um, you know, spent one third of his young life uh, locked up, and he but he started to come to my classes. And the first time he came in, I he was just like his his eyes were. He was like looking around like, what the hell is this stuff? Because a friend had dragged him there. But from week to week, he just softened. He did the meditation. And he became a transformed person. He he reclaimed the heart of that seven-year-old before the shooting 
took place. He he just became the kindest, gentlest, you know, the person that he'd been deep down all along, but which had been covered up by by all this terrible stuff. He would, you know, I after I moved out to California, one day I got a package from him. I opened it up. He'd had long dreadlocks. He'd cut them off, and he asked me to donate them to Locks of Love. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, this kind of thing, you know, so many stories like that. And it, it, it's just the best. And, you know, I was so happy to see the other day President Obama going into a, a prison cell. No president has done that before. I, I was just so happy to see that and, and addressing the fact that we're locking up, you know, some people need to be locked up, but we've locked up a lot of people that, that, shouldn't be there and now he's addressing the question of solitary confinement which is really something that's designed to to drive people insane uh and and the thing is as i was saying before there are these tools of inner technology these meditative tools this is what's needed i mean you know in if if i could could have a wish here i think i would wish that uh that someone from from Pre- President Obama's team would give me a call, and we set up the program to start training people to go out and fan out to these prisons and and teach teach prisoners to do this kind of effortless natural meditation, because I know how it can transform their lives. Wow, that is so powerful. Well, we're enjoying all the benefits today from talking with Dean Slider website being naturalmeditationbook.com. As you can see, uh, there's no limit to what can happen when you awaken yourself and therefore play a part in awakening the world. We'll be right back after this short break. I'm Dr. Tom Shepard, host of Let's Talk About It on Unity Online Radio. In my studies of world religions, I've repeatedly encountered two central spiritual questions. How do we make sense of life, and how do we live it more successfully? You're invited to explore these two questions with me in my new book, The Many Faces of Prayer, How the Human Family Meets Its Spiritual Needs. You'll be amazed at the remarkable ways people have learned to pray to their gods and to celebrate life individually and as communities of faith. Learn more at unitybooks.org. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being. With your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and thank you for being an intentional spirit, seeing and being. 
uh, in the vibrancy of life. And today we're talking, obviously, about ways of being and how to be in that stillness. Uh, be still and know uh, that I am God. Be still and know. And that meditative process brings all of us to a place of allowing our teacher archetype to relax, not need to be in control, not need to force life, but just to allow and be in the flow. One of the the great things of the practice of meditation is the stillness of knowing that all is well. And rather than sounding like a cliche or a bumper sticker truth that's not congruent to the way we really are, it really impacts and changes our lives forever. Um, I want to urge you again to go to the website, naturalmeditationbook.com. There's a great five-minute video. I've enjoyed it. A two-minute cartoon you don't want to miss. And you can know more about Dean Slider. Dean, uh, here's that busy person again. We've we've mentioned him or her. Um, they're nearby for sure. Mm-hmm. So how do they how do they work? Uh, it, it's very interesting because people get into a mantra of being busy, uh, which after a while is not that impressive. But beyond <laughs> that, it, it gets to be borderline martyrdom, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Dolly Parton, get off the cross, honey. We need the wood. But <laughs> right, but in that, it's like okay, we we get that you're busy, and then people will say, "How am I going to put one more thing in?" Of course, we know in time management that when people are coming from that place, it's that they have things that they they either don't want in and don't know how to release. But how do you work with somebody to put time in for meditation? Right. right. Well, first of all, it's you know it's not a matter of spending time; it's a matter of investing time, mm. because we've all experienced that if our thought processes are unclear, you can make one mistake in one second. You can make one mistake that then you may spend minutes or hours or days trying to reverse. But if you have invested a little time in meditation that morning, so your thought processes are clearer, you don't make that mistake. So so the time really pays for itself, even in that way. The other thing is that people think of meditation as, well, okay, I've got to have my little corner of the room. I've got to have my cushion. I've got to light my incense and, and fold my legs up into the, the lotus pose and sit there for 45 minutes. That's really the way to meditate. Uh, but I don't have time for that today. I'll do it tomorrow. And, of course, tomorrow never comes. Right. The The good news is that... Um, it, you, it doesn't have to be that elaborate a ritual. You can sit anywhere. You can meditate on the bus. You can, when I go to New York, I love meditating on the subway. I love having all that loud racket on the outside and kind of yummy contrast to the, the, the silence on the inside. You can do it anywhere. And if you meditate for 45 minutes, great. But it, even for a couple of minutes, even for three, four, five minutes, the difference between someone who for 24-7 is just caught up in doing, doing, thinking, thinking, planning, planning, and someone who for 23 hours and 55 minutes of the day is caught up and for five minutes of the day just lets it all go, settles within him or herself. That's a quantum difference. So everyone has five minutes. 
So, so you know, just to understand, and the thing is, but the key is that five minutes is effective. Five minutes can be profoundly effective if you're meditating in this natural, effortless way that is what I teach and what, what I've received from my own teachers. If you're doing, approaching meditation the way, unfortunately, most people try to approach it, which is by trying to concentrate, no, in five minutes you, you can't successfully do much. So it's important to be meditating a qualitatively in the right way, and that, which is you know what I call right, which is effortless, natural way, nature's way. Mm-hmm. And then B, quantitatively, just know that a few minutes will do it and that you can do it anywhere. And then also, and, and in, in the book, in Natural Meditation, I point out little ways during the day that you can have little mini meditations. There's one you can do when you're sitting in the office. If you sit behind a computer and uh, you need a break, but you don't want your boss to think you're a slacker. You don't want to be sitting there with your eyes closed, looking like you're sleeping on the job. And what you do is, and this is derived from the Tibetan technique of sky meditation that I mentioned earlier, you sit there with your eyes open and just relax your gaze around the perimeter of the monitor. <laughs> and it looks like you're hard at work when actually you're just, uh, you're just settling within yourself. So you don't even have to close your eyes. Unless you're working for uh, uh, Ariana Huffington, who thinks that's a great thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, more and more, more and more workplaces, as a matter of fact, not only uh, uh, understand, but they encourage meditation. Aetna Insurance is a a sterling example. The, The head of Aetna Insurance was almost killed in a skiing accident, started meditation. It changed his life. He started offering free meditation classes to everyone in the company. After the first year, they found all their numbers were up. Productivity was way up. Sick days were way down. Uh, so it's good business. The Seattle Seahawks went to the Super Bowl. They've got meditation as an integral part of their training. So it's it's more and more understood. There's there's there are Silicon Valley, you know, tech companies now where it's pretty much expected that if, if you're going to work for us, you should be practicing meditation because we need you to be at your best, at your most creative. Mm. I love it. I love talking yeah. about what you're what you're talking about. Go ahead, Dean. Yeah, yeah. No, we're at this wonderful mainstream moment. I, I mentioned earlier. I was uh, this summer. I was featured in In Style magazine. And like, can you can can we go even more mainstream than that? It turns out the answer is yes. I'm going to be in the September issue of Family Circle. Oh, how cool <laughs> is that? I love yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I remember as a little kid seeing that at the supermarket checkout and like, what is this? A meatloaf recipes, you know? So, you know, just t- we've totally hit the mainstream. So people know now. They used when I started teaching this stuff back in 1970, I had to convince people this is not some weird hippie, you know, eastern mystical cult or something. Now people know that. They know that it's good. They know that it's healthy. But the thing they need to know is that with a little guidance, it's easy. It's effortless. Anyone can do it. 
That is so cool. I want to just reiterate to everyone that uh, Dean is available. You can go to the website, naturalmeditationbook.com, and you can find out more about uh, when he could come and do a workshop in your school, um, in your offices, at your prison, and without within a, um, a spiritual setting as well. And that's the the good news is having that availability to bring him in person so you can have that up close and personal experience. It's been a pleasure uh, having you, Dean, on, on the show today. I want to thank all of you that continue to contribute to Unity Online Radio. It's because of you that we are truly the voice of an awakening world. And thank all of you for um, signing up for my daily inspirations at templehays.com. Um, Dean, they can join you right on your website, correct? Uh, to sign That's up to right. receive some of your postings, your activities, and some mm-hmm. of the various things that you're doing. Do you actually post where you're going to be online? Yep. My, my teaching schedule is there. I'm going to be, uh, my next workshop is uh, right at the end of, of this month. I'm going to be in Baltimore. Uh, and uh, I've got stuff coming up in uh, Omaha, a few other places. Um, uh, but again, if you build it, I will come, or even oh, just lay the beautiful. foundation. That's beautiful. If you're going to be in Omaha, contact my dear friend Becky Whitehead there at Omaha Nebraska <laughs> Unity. She would be all over this. So Great. thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, please forward the good news about our show to others so they can tune in and be with us and learn these healthy tools. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Dean, for being with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Reverend Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? 
Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Reverend Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? 
Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.